0: Four O'Clock Football Frenzy is presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600.
1: Cofield and company on the road. Yeah, we, we can't even keep up anymore where the hell we are. Day-to-day, are, he's like, wait, where are you guys going to be today? Like We informed him this morning. We're like, okay, we got this technical setup. You got to press this button, that one. We're going to be on this unit, that headphone, that headset. Okay. He was so, a worry wart, though. He's just a big worry wart, this year. Well, kid. he's... He, that, that's his job. He's supposed to be Mr. Attention to Detail so that things actually work, right? Right? True. Sorry. True. So, so I uh, get, yeah, knock, I on, knock on wood, We uh, hopefully, we're good for the next two hours. So, I'll tell you, I'm over at Mandalay Bay. Uh, Willie and I are both on the strip. I'm getting ready for a UNLV basketball game. Meanwhile, Willie is just down the pike at T Mobile, right? I think we're going to join Adam Hill, who's going to be over at the Orleans Arena. Uh, Adam Candy will be down at the Equestrian Center at South Point. No, I'm kidding. Uh, just the two of us the rest of the way with Ari who's back in our Finley Toyota studio. So, what's up, Willie? What's happening? I you know I uh, I can't remember the last time I've been here like this extra early.
2: Actually, no. Yeah, I got you know I walk usually I'm here at four, but like to get into the building before four. I'm usually walking in at four oh one because they're very stringent. So. You know, coming in, they knew I was coming. Everything I, I saw, I saw uh, Vince, Vince Sapienza from Channel Thirteen. He was waiting at the door, and I looked at him. I was like, he looked at me. He just had this odd look. I said, Kevin told me to meet you here for the live shot. He just was stunned. He was like, oh, what? What? I said, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Willie, so, yeah. by the way, on our on our little video uh, chat system for the audience, Willie is. Uh, if you don't know, he's always very dapper at the games. And uh, I don't. Are, are you normally a pocket square guy? Oh. Come on, man. I'm sorry, man. I haven't noticed before. I never not have one. I is that I, right? I,
2: I sweat others with that. Mateo's brushing off oh, my. Oh, wow. Yeah. I got oh, this nice. you know what I actually have on today, Steve? I have a zoot suit. I have a zoot suit. Can you see?
1: What's the, the difference between a zoot suit and a regular suit?
2: Zoot suit is kind of the the the, L- the bottom longer? of the, the yeah, it hangs low. So I got a gold gold Stacy Adams zoot suit with with Stacy Adams Stacy Adams day. Although I'm a little upset. Shout out. Get Willie some free stuff. Let's go. Yeah. Speaking of free stuff, when the heck did cologne start costing $120 a bottle? I'm used to like $39 for Drakkar or Kuros. Remember those days?
1: $120? I'm used to to one of my great snitches Mm. is to go and buy the gift packs on the 26th right after Christmas. Sure. But it's generally going to be like Stetson. Combo kind of combo smell like a horse and a cowboy.
2: Yeah, but but that's there a, are people who like
1: that. So. Sure. But well, here's a here's a great thing. thing. I forget to put it on, so I think I still have gift packs from probably seven years ago that I still haven't used. You should hand them out to the staff. <laughs> give give them seven year old cologne. Sure, why not? <laughs> it still smells the same. It doesn't. It's not like wine it doesn't sour. It Doesn't turn into vinegar. I agree. I agree. I, st- I still think I have uh, some cologne from. Probably ninety. Were, Aqu- were you an Aqua Velva guy as a kid? I was not an Aquavelva guy, now. All excited? Not, not, now it's you're really... Walking, walking around thinking, thinking you were Pete Rose. Now you're really aging me. Aqua Velva. <laughs> Paco Raban. Knock sure. off Paco Raban. Yeah, cologne got expensive, bro. And I was at Coles. Ah, let's move on. I'll give you some of their cash. You can all... Uh, well, now we know what kind of gift to buy. So uh, Ari and I will go in, the, uh, we'll go in the collective hopper and get you $120 cologne. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, I want to get set up for some Raiders conversation today, but i, I got to bring it up, and we don't have to shout out the site, um, although it's SI. And what SI does is they have a, a collaboration of folks who write for them. And I think my guess is, Willie, that this was a mistake on a subhead. Something was wrong here because uh, you sent over a headline, uh, Raiders need to continue fast start on offense. <laughs> and I yeah. saw you were like, continue? Yeah. When has that happened? That's been one of the biggest problems for this Raiders team.
2: Yeah, it's a, I, I, I started to read it and they're in it it says they've tried se- different things and have found several ways to succeed on the field. So they have? I think well yeah, I think when you read through it, you're seeing that the times where it has the the, the Raiders have played well it's because they they come out fast, they come out moving, it's it's an aggressive style. The two, right, Denver, the Philadelphia game. But to say it in the way that it did, Akita's uh, successful Las Vegas Raiders offense is getting a quick start right off the bat. In the headline, Raiders need to continue fast start on offense. Subhead, Las Vegas Raiders offense need to continue having fast starts. Continue? That's what, yeah, I was baffled. I'm thinking to myself, someone didn't read this clearly or someone doesn't want to get on the bad side of the, you know, they want to continue to have good relations because that, there's no continuing because every every time they're coming in, and we're not the ones that are critiquing them, we're just asking them what the problem and, and Basaccia, Derek Carr, whoever it may be, said, yes, that's an issue, it's something, you know, we know we have to address it, we have to go back, we have to look at the game, Phil, we have to figure out, blah, 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 blah. I mean, this is not a team that is known to have fast start, so I'm not sure where that's coming from and, and, and how that got headlined
1: coming up we're gonna get some updates on the UNLV football roster we'll react to Jacoby Windman moving on to the Big Ten and uh, also from the Rebel perspective Caleb Herring's opinion on what the hell is going on in Reno where they just lost their coach because he got his salary tripled and the folks in Reno aren't real hopeful that a bunch of money is going to be thrown into the program to fix things
0: Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher, and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600.
1: We just got to keep our head down. Come to work. Listen to what your coach tells you to do and do that to the best of your ability. And, uh, you know, our coaches are doing a great job with everything they've had to go through and deal with and roles changing and things like that. And they've done an excellent job of pushing us and keeping the details. And we, as a whole, need to listen to what they're saying and do it on game
0: day. Now, back to Cofield and Company. On the road. I forget how much fun mixing
1: holiday music, especially upbeat holiday music, is with the NFL season as things are – Kind of falling apart for some teams. Derek Carr. Just listen to the coaches, man. Do what you're supposed to do. Just show up at work. Caleb Herring knows all about this, right? You can't freak out when things start going wrong. Caleb, how you doing, buddy?
3: I'm good. I'm good, man. I'm I'm also getting into the festive spirit. I mean, Derek Carr may not be so much, but I do enjoy listening to holiday music over other people's melancholy. If that makes sense. So all right. I mean that has a weird kind of ironic twist to it. I like it.
1: Are you melancholy, good use of the word, over the CFP? I was not real satisfied with the Final Four.
3: I was, and I think I'd gone over my uh, scenarios with you a couple times. I wanted Oregon, obviously a Pac-12 team, but they did not deserve it. And I think Utah handled them twice in a row and kind of really removed any hope of them. Um, But then there was the hope of having three teams that have not yet been in the CFP, which would have been OK State, uh, Michigan, and Cincinnati, but... Michigan got to the finish line and fell on their faces, and it was just uh, – it was tough. So I, I don't like the fact that Georgia and Bama, again, the rematch of the SEC championship, and in all honesty, likely will be an SEC uh, champion. Um, I don't like the fact that we will probably not get to see um, one of the underdog teams, quote-unquote underdog teams, or group of five teams, even make it to the final game of the season, which that's obviously projecting a little bit, but Georgia-Michigan matchup, I don't know. Cincinnati versus Bama the way they're playing right now if they play anything like they played against Georgia I mean you got to figure one of the SEC teams or you know it's going to be two SEC teams rematch at the SEC finals in the final game of the season which is very anticlimactic if you're asking me like I, I either one of those teams winning kind of doesn't really do it for me but at least we got two teams, two new teams in the mix, right? Michigan right. and Cincinnati. So I'll, I'll, I'll be satisfied with that for now. But I, I like, uh, I would like a, a lot more parity, and Oklahoma State kind of ruined that for me this year.
1: What do you think of Kirk Hermstreet hitting Twitter yesterday, basically to say, "Shut the hell up about the uh, have-nots being able to get, you know, not being able to get in." You know, that one's history. Like Kirk, it happened one freaking time, and until they expand to twelve, it actually could be worse moving forward because one of the teams. Uh, along with three others, is going to the Big Twelve to be part of the halves. Yeah,
3: so I mean, like it sounds fi- like it's, it's not fixed. No, it's it's absolutely it's it's ridiculous that that you know Kurt's taking that stance. But so I, I but I get it. it. It's 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 the the powerhouse. You know, it's the it's the the powers that be in college, the traditional money making programs with the the broadest fan base that are going to generate the most revenue at the end of the day. That's what it comes down to, right? Um, and and Cincinnati made it in this year, but there was every hope. And given every opportunity for a one-loss conference champion to come and slide in that spot, and OK State, no, there's no debating that if OK State does what they're supposed to do, they get in, despite the fact that Cincinnati is undefeated, right? And and if Notre Dame even had a, you know, the ACC championship like they did uh, a couple of or in the COVID year, if they had that, Notre Dame gets in over Cincinnati if they win that. So there's no doubt that it's still rigged to have. The have-nots always be in position at the end because you guys have said it on the show. It's a show. It's that's it's a production. It's uh, the the fact that you know they put so much weight into, into your strength of schedule or or how you looked when you won. It's like that's such a like. Could you imagine if the NFL, for instance, like Tom Brady's run in New England? I won't take anything away from that because you're not supposed to. But if, could you imagine if they said we we'll, we'll dock the Patriots? for all of those Super Bowl runs because of the strength of schedule in that division. I mean, they played the Jets and the Dolphins and the terrible Bills, not the Bills of today, but the terrible Bills. And they got to the Super Bowl every year, basically. Right. They had a first week behind the Could you imagine if the, the criticism was their strength of schedule and that's why we can't let them get a chance at the Super Bowl? That's how ridiculous it sounds when you have this this kind of subjective committee that goes based on what they see and their their word is everything. If, a guy, if people deserve it, They should get in. If you're a conference champion, uh, we're not going to say you're going to win it. We don't necessarily think maybe you're the best team in the league or in in college football, but you win your division, you go undefeated. You win your conference, you go undefeated. You should have every right to play and be a participant in the playoffs. Otherwise, it's going to be the same old thing every time. Yes, Alabama is probably going to be the best team every year. Yes, Georgia has a chance. It's going to be the SEC uh, as favorites every time. But that should not be what determines Who gets there because then the little guy never gets a chance and I think as an analyst you should understand that and and to try to silence people for having that stance and for wanting to see the little guy on stage to have at least a shot at a Cinderella story type finish for the college football season why not let that argument live I mean it's if anything it's ratings right I mean somebody's gonna root for him maybe not the fans in the seat maybe they won't travel as well but the little guy has to have a chance otherwise college football gets a little bit boring and people are going to be sick of seeing Alabama and Georgia in the final four of a year.
1: Based on what you saw in the sec title game, how good is Bryce young?
3: Uh, he's the best quarterback of this class and he's not even draft eligible. Uh, he's the best quarterback that Alabama's had in its history. And I could say that with pretty much confidence that he is that um, he's, he's mature beyond his years. And I think, when I watch him play, it's to, it reminds me a bit of Joe Burrow, um, and that's that's from the aspect. I know he, he hasn't had um, as, as storybook a season as, as Burrow did, but um, the composure he has on the field, the understanding of situations within the game and how to manipulate them as a quarterback from the position – um, he's displaying, in my opinion, a mastery of the position. And that goes beyond just being able to throw a nice tight spiral or having an accurate deep ball, um, but being able to decide when it's your time to take over, when it's your time to try to make a play, when it's time to live to fight another down. And then the overall demeanor that he has, the stoic kind of presence he has on the field, it, it's quintessential to quarterbacking. So I, I he's the best, in my opinion, quarterback in college football. He's a shoe-in for the Heisman. And I said that. I mean, maybe was it week two when I saw him, but I said, this guy has the Heisman written all over him. He had his Heisman moment, I would say, against uh, Auburn. 98-yard touchdown drive to tie that game and send it to overtime and eventually win it with no timeouts. Like, the ability to do that. Um, then, like you said, lighten up Georgia, the best defense in college football the way he did. I think for sure Heisman, the New York trip is just a formality, just mailing the trophy at this point. Amazon shipping is free. So just just sit on the Heisman right now. I think he's the best quarterback in college football and is, is probably, when he's draft eligible, the number one quarterback and the number one overall pick taken in that draft.
1: Caleb Herring, the former UNLV quarterback, one of the voices of the Rebels on radio, is with us. He's our football insider on Wednesdays. Jacoby Winman, former UNLV linebacker, goes into the transfer portal. Uh, less than two weeks ago, you start seeing the offers pour in, and I think, I, unless you want to argue, Texas is the better program right now, it's not. That Jacoby actually went to the biggest program that offered him. What do you think of the move? He's going to go to Michigan State.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, good for him. I mean, Michigan State's hot right now. They've 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 gotten back to their nationally acclaimed status. I think Penn State was also one of the teams that was up there that was interested. So mm-hmm. maybe that could be compared as a bigger school. Um, but no, I, I mean, Michigan State plays a, a good brand of football. Big Ten football is is uh, you know it's a good spot to be in when you got the big 10 buzz in the way it is right now with the way Ohio state looks, Michigan being able to play against those, you know, programs and put your film up against the, basically the best of the best on a consistent basis. Um, I I, I definitely think that he's, he's in a good spot for his individual career. And it goes to show, you know, that talent can find its way anywhere. You know, we had, uh, I think he was a number 14 ranked player in the transfer portal at the time when he entered it and out of, what 900 some some odd players or something like that he was in the top 15 so um talented individual players can find their way to UNLV and unfortunately UNLV wasn't able to hold on to him but he'll have a platform now for his individual accolades for whatever individual goals he has for his football career and obviously he'll have aspirations at playing for the next level at the next level that's what a move like that says and the interest by these big programs is I think uh telling of of kind of the development he's had over his career here at UNLV and I um, mean, started at a defensive end kind of spot, and moved into inside linebacker, um, grew leaps and bounds at the program at UNLV, um, and turned enough heads to land himself at Michigan State. So proud of the guy, proud of him. Hope nothing but the best for him in the future, and hopefully the the blow doesn't hurt UNLV too bad with with missing that guy in the middle.
1: Early signing day is coming up next week. Uh, the Rebels got a commit from a JUCO linebacker who hopefully will be able to step in for Winman and Fred Tompkins this first go round. What do you think is most important? That, well, it is short, it is a short amount of time for the portal. And let's say in general, where do they have to hit the most home runs? The portal, the JUCO route, or the twenty twenty twos?
3: I would say with the way uh, and and with the way the timeline works for coaches, I say I would say the transfer portal slash JUCO route. But I would say more so the transfer portal. If you look at examples across the country, guys that transferred into programs make an impact. Transfer portal is becoming more and more important as far as recruiting goes. Um, but the transfer portal gets you guys from a Division One program that understand Division One football at a, a higher clip than JUCO and high school guys. And I think with the young roster that we've seen, with with guys like Noel Williams and Cameron Oliver and, and other guys that are young pieces that are in play, who you are already having as projects to develop into their roles as they get older. I think you'd like to have some midclassmen, maybe upperclassmen. Um, who are transfers from division one setting already. And that way the learning curve isn't as, as steep um, as it would be say for a juco guy or, or, or a high school. Um, I, you always want to hit the high school guys, the young guys in the pipeline to develop. But I think for UNLV right now, the way they're positioned and kind of the urgency um, with teams like Utah State and their immediate success and the things that they did in the conference, I think the urgency is there a little bit more to perform now and to get at least respectable in the conference conversation um, with your roster. So I'd say the transfer portal is probably the most important.
1: What does that Utah State success in one year do for expectations here?
3: I I would hope that it doesn't shift expectations internally too much. I would hope that your plan is still your plan, regardless of Utah State. And let's not take any credit away from Blake Anderson, what they did in, 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 at Utah State. I mean, conference championships like that, um, winning season, nobody expected it. And he'd be the first to tell you um, and during his press conference during the season, that they were kind of surprised at the early success. The work was there; they understood the formula, but uh, nobody expects to have that quick of a turnaround for a program to go win the conference like that. And similar, San Jose State. I mean, look at how they turned around. A couple of teams now have been quick to turn around, and you got to be looking around if you're UNLV, saying, "Is it our turn? Like, can can we be that team next time to to suddenly turn things around and ride right the ship?" Um, but you don't want to make that the expectation now. That UNLV can't go into a season thinking. Uh, bowl game or bust at this point in the program, especially when you're scheduling teams like Notre Dame and Cal for your non-conference schedule or this season, if you talk about Arizona State, Iowa State, uh, UTSA, the teams that three or four non-conference games were top four, top 25 opponents. And it's like, you're not really serious, in my opinion, about winning or competing for bowl eligibility if you're not scheduling to win or scheduling to your level of competition. So when UNOV get to that point as a program overall where they're saying, okay, let's schedule to win some games. Let's get some teams on our schedule that we feel like we have the best chance to winning um, these games. So, you know, getting into conference play, we're only three games away from getting to bowl eligibility. And that's kind of what you know Utah State did with New Mexico State. I mean Hawaii, for Christ's sake, scheduled New Mexico State twice, and that maybe had some some COVID related issues. But you see where they were; <laughs> they were close to bowl eligibility because of that. So when, when you look at the scheduling and how the the overall uh, projections of the program with from internal uh, expectations go, those things are more important, I think, than I guess bowl games or winning the conference. You you set your own expectations. You go after them. Yeah, it's great to watch Utah State do well, but you can't really set your expectations best on the success of somebody else. It's not, not keeping up with the Joneses here in, in the Mountain West.
1: So give me your reaction to Reno losing its coach, Jay Norvell, who apparently was kicking the tires at other jobs last year as well. Uh, he winds up getting his salary tripled in the conference at Colorado State, and now you've got a lot of Reno people who are like, what the hell just happened here? Are we going to put any money into this football program, which is kind of amazing considering they've made a ton of bowl games over the last 15 years like they've been a successful program. But to lose your coach – over money and like that wide a gap in conference is pretty embarrassing and it you know it sets off some alarms
3: and it it shows you kind of the double-edged sword of the business of football right like these individuals these coaches let's say are making decisions for themselves at the same time as they're trying to do what's in the best interest of the program so if money is the concern and the university for whatever reason isn't willing or able to commit the money to keep a guy, then you end up losing guys. And that's that's the harsh reality of this business. And sometimes players suffer because of that. Sometimes players are the ones who end up bailing on a team because of maybe not the money being an issue, but success. You look at Jacoby Women in, entering the transfer portal. That was definitely an individually-based decision that had nothing to do with university's commitment to him, right? It was his commitment to university. But when you look at programs like that, and it happens a lot with what's strange about the Norvell situation, it's not like he went to a Power Five, school it's not like he went outside of conference even he just went to a school within his own conference that was willing to commit more to him as as a person as a coach in his career and and to advance his own personal goals uh, whatever his goals may be um there's nothing wrong with that in one sense but that's how how gritty the competition is and when you're talking about you know you translate that to recruiting um and you wonder how a guy from you know from vegas ends up in reno and has having success at unr or how Boise State continues to get players from, you know, consistently having the best recruiting groups in in the conference, or how they keep landing talented players in Boise, and you have to say, well, maybe it has something to do with the program's overall commitment to football. Now, who's to say that the money's not there for Reno? Um, They've had success, like you said, being in bowl games. I don't know what their exact economic situation is, but for whatever reason, they were unable to pull the trigger and match, I guess, Colorado State's offer, or to Please norvell with whatever they were bringing to the table so um that goes to show the program showing the willingness to commit to a coach and pay the money that's required to go get the big fish in the pond um is is important to program success and it it has the same sentiment throughout the recruiting trail if you're showing players that come through the through the door as recruits that you're willing to commit and invest in their future and the future of your football program you're likely to land some of those big fish unfortunately reno let one slip away but um, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Sometimes <laughs> you didn't sound very very down in the dumps <laughs> I, on that last I, comment. There. I'm not sad about it. I, yeah. <laughs> like it's UNR. I'm 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 an alumni of UNLV. I'm not going to hide it. If they go through some struggles, eh, well, welcome to the party. I mean, struggle. We we know what that's like down here in Vegas. So yeah. we'll see how they do with 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 a new coaching shakeup. Caleb, we
1: appreciate it. Thank you. All right, guys, take care. Have a good one. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, Caleb Herring, former UNLV quarterback, part of the broadcast team. Uh, coming up. We'll get into what's going on with the Run and Rebel program right now. Maybe some overreaction by uh, some of us watching from the outside, and we'll also get to uh, man more fat pack updates. I have—I'll tell you what—I I questioned Willie's choice of that freaking wiener dog, man. I and then all of a sudden on Monday night, I'm like, ding ding ding, I get it now.
0: Cofield and Company will be back in minutes, right here on ESPN Las Vegas. We don't mess around when it comes to food. It's the Fat Pack, brought to you by Nova Home Loans. And there's wine already for tasting, and there's Cadillacs, all shiny and new. Gotta move, cause time
1: is. You never wasting, know what days we're gonna do the Fat Pack on, and you never know what's coming. It's really a, a lifestyle portion of the show. It could be about food. It's obviously a play off the Rat Pack, so we love to honor the guys who freaking reigned over Vegas. And then, of course, the Fat Pack part of it is often about food. So, Willie, I got to tell the audience, I'm watching you the other night at Twin Peaks, our Monday night home. Yeah. And... You had some of the servers, some of the lovely ladies of uh, the Peaks flocking to you and around you. I'm like, what the hell's going on over here? So I start to listen in, and Willie's got his phone out, and he's just, like, scrolling through the phone. The ladies are like, oh, oh, oh. They're going crazy. Going crazy. I had no idea that this would actually work, but. (laughs) <laughs> apparently you made the right choice in getting a dog. They freaking loved your dog.
2: They did. I whipped out the picture of my wiener dog, uh
1: Kahlua. So it'll be a Sean Salisbury here who got in trouble and fired for doing that at mm-hmm. ESPN. Allegedly.
2: My dachshund. Yeah. Um, but they actually, okay, they're the ones that the first young lady – I think we were talking. Oh, you know what it was? She asked me where I was going to order. And I was like, no, you know what? I ate when I got here because I was there an hour before Faith had taken care of me. She always takes care of me when I get there. And then um, I was like, i got to go home and meal prep. I'm going to go home and meal prep. And you had said, What's, you're going to what? And she was like, eat healthy. And then we got to talking. And I was like, yeah, well, not only do I meal prep for me, I meal prep for my dog, too. He eats healthy because we go on Say, hikes. Wait, wait, wait. Slow down. Yeah.
1: Say it again. You meal prep for? My dog. Your dog. And she,
2: yeah. And she said, what kind of dog do you have? And I said, a doc's. And She said, you have a wiener dog. And then she was like, oh, my God. And then, and I showed her the picture. And then she disappeared. And then she came back with another one. And the other girl, she goes, you are the one with the wiener dog. I said, yes. And she had a wiener dog. Her dog is a one-year-old. And mine, it just uh, will turn nine months on the 12th of this month.
1: So, yes. Yes. But then the, the great th- thing about this Ari is that not only was there a discussion about the meal prep, which I learned about dog food, but then Willie starts showing his dog off and is like, "Look at, look at, like, look at, look at this, look at this right here, look at this, like a like a little wrestler." And Willie's like, "Look at the shape this dog's in. I work it out. Look at the the arms and the muscles." Yeah, and he gets yeah. into the whole science of like these dogs break down as they're older, so he's freaking he's training the dog. Yeah
2: absolutely because dachshunds are known to have spine problems the first thing that i was brought up to me you know they have spine problems don't let it jump off the couch you got to lift it up i was like i'm not going through all this trouble when i'm thinking to myself okay a person that has knee problems or certain, it's usually because there's lack of muscle to absorb the shock of walking running doing whatever shoulder problems you know you have to build up muscle for the joints so i said to myself okay spine neck you're going to Build your latch, your traps. So when Kalua was young, we started with trails around mountains. Then it was small bike trails that go up maybe a quarter away of a mountain and then down and then back there, you know, like across the mountain and then down. Then we started going up smaller mountain, went up Lone Mountain. Now we go to Red Rock, and he goes up different ones, Calico Tanks. There's a couple of different ones. Done a couple of seven-mile loops. And over the course of time, he has built – His front leg, the shoulders, they get a pump. And his hind quarters are pumped up. The dog is buff. The dog is buff. So now you transition to the meal prep. When we get home, it's just like when you go to the gym. When you come home from the gym, after a heavy lift, you've torn down the muscle fibers. You're going to throw in some carbs, a nice, fast-digesting carb, and a lot of protein. So Kahlua gets a protein, whether it's chicken – uh, right now this week i've made him some um, lean pork tenderloins and i just i bake them and then i chop it up really fine and this morning it was breakfast time right we got home it was like whatever time it was nine o'clock and because uh, we went real early and i made him three egg whites with the uh, with the pork and some kibble. I always want to make sure I mix in, and I need it too. I have meal prepping gloves that I put on, and I need the real food into the the kibble. So, so, and then and then that way, because the kibble has the actual nutrition, right? That ha- that the dogs need the vitamins, the minerals, all that kind of stuff. The car the proper carbs. So I mix it all up, and then he chows it down, and then his body will break it down accordingly based off the workout that he just did. Because the bodies, it's the same thing, same science. He went and worked out. He did a workout. So there you
1: go. Uh, I, you know what? I want to call you crazy, but there are a lot of people who are, who are actually feeding their animals like next level. And you guys mentioned something else I'd never heard of before, and I looked it up today, that I guess the uh, animal food industry is actually taking a big hit because people are so hardcore about feeding their animals that they actually are prepping their own food for animals. So some of the brands are going under because people don't want to have their you know, their dogs and cats eat kind of the traditional crap that they used to feed them.
2: Right. I've had- guys like you, Willie. I had an English Bulldog. English Bulldog's lifespan is generally between six to eight years. You think about how many times you've seen the Fresno State Bulldog, the Ugga, right, from Georgia. They're like on number 10 or 11 at this point. They die because they think that they're supposed to look like those those pouncing, big, heavy set with all the folds, and they think it's cute. But in reality, it's like a human. You get overweight, you're going to get heart disease, you're going to get diabetes, they're going to get osteoporosis, they're going to get different diseases, diabetes... And that's why English bulldogs don't last. I had one that lasted almost 13 years, and she would go on a meal prep, and we would get we would go to a we would go to a butcher shop, very popular barbecue place out on northwest the northwest side of town, and I would get a 40 pound box of frozen chicken necks. They jigsaw it into 40 pieces, so it'd be one pound, and I'd pull the blocks out, defrost it, and every three months she'd go on a two month cycle of having. Raw chicken, chicken eggs, meat and bone, and then greens and sweet potato. Mix it all up, and she would crunch that down.
1: The and, look on Ari's face right now is amazing because I feel like Ari's like this. This dog and the past dog eat so much better than I do.
2: Yes, yes.
1: Ari's <laughs> like I don't have the budget for this. I don't. Worry. Or at least I won't devote the budget to it because I have my new car. Is this true, Ari? None of this is true. The I'm car actually, is more important than what he puts in his body. That's false. Let me. Let me. No, ask I'm, I'm kind of grossed out because you said pork, so I automatically just tuned out. But that's just what? me being a picky eater. I'm Whatever. not mad at the dog. I mean, you need a. You
2: need a chicken, neck. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Let me ask you this, Steve. Yes. Does has Kahlua in his nine months of life worked out more than Ari has his
1: entire life? It only worked a, out more than I have.
3: It's a good <laughs> chance. Yeah, I was going to say
1: 100. That that dog runs. All, you showed me videos of that dog running up and down a hill. I was like, I I couldn't do that. I'm here at Mandalay Bay. I went out and I took two shots. I uh, missed both. A Actually, tequila? I made one. If you watch it on video on ESPN Las Vegas right now, um, and I was gassed. I'm like, I got to go sit down. My back hurts.
2: Jesus.
1: I know it's sad, man. It's a sad reality.
2: What are you gonna do? I just well, talked. I just talked to one of the, the hockey ops person for the with the media, and I already asked him. I said, "What's the, what's the dinner going to be downstairs? I, I need a report." So he's going to text me the dinner, so I know what what I'm eating. I got to know what I'm eating.
1: Uh, Coming up, we got to go look at the world of sports betting. We don't have to. I want to. Get into uh, Willie's take on the NFL MVP odds and also set you up for this Rebel game tonight against Seattle U.
0: Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. It's Cofield & Company's eye on sports gambling. I'm going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 winners. Free, 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 free.
1: All right, Willie, local action. We'll get to a little more on VGK in uh, just a couple minutes. Um, local action here in town on the Strip, And if folks uh, don't know. Uh, we were mentioning it earlier, but worth mentioning again, uh, Cofield here at Mandalay Bay for a UNLV basketball game. Willie's over at T-Mobile for the VGK game. Uh, Golden Knights are minus 140. Uh, UNLV was four overnight. It's now five. Uh, they have struggled recently. They're now four and five, especially – the losing streak against Division One opponents, it's interesting. Seattle has seven wins. This schedule, though, is really <laughs> – I'm not saying Seattle can't win this game and that line is is pretty small, and they do have a good group of guards. They're 192 in Ken Palm, Seattle yep. is. Mm-hmm. Their opponents, Division One opponents they've beaten, the best one is Idaho State at 290. There's 358 Division I teams. They beat the 292 team, 314 and 326, along with St. Thomas and Pacific Lutheran. So we'll see how good Seattle is getting ready for this game. And on the other side, Willie, um, there's some interesting things going on with UNLV in terms of quality shot selection, fighting throughout the game, uh, in terms of playing defense hard the whole way. And the other night, it took a while for UNLV to come out of the locker room, and Mike Nuga was visibly angry. Uh, he had a couple of, uh, I'll call him outbursts. He was pretty loud, you know, coming out of the locker room to cool off. Uh, now, I think a lot of people are just like, uh-oh, the team is falling apart. Kevin Kruger does not agree.
0: You know, I saw somewhere that somebody talked about that being a negative. I think that's absolutely laughable. I think that's a joke. I think uh, anybody who's been on a team knows that passion and energy is important.
1: Okay. You agree? Passion, energy, important, or could there be a flashpoint where it turns into a negative? Give us the rest of the comment. And if the guys sat there, honestly, after San Francisco and just changed and just got into their stuff to right. get then back on the problem. plane, then you, got you got a problem.
3: problem. Yeah.
1: And they didn't. Guys were vocal, and they weren't pointing fingers at each other. They were they were communicating. They were taking ownership. Uh, you know, they were challenging each other, but in a great way. So, you know, that was no, – we left – the coaches didn't raise – we didn't have to raise our voice one time. They talked, and it was great. All right, Willie, and it was great. They talked, got a little bit loud at times. What do you think?
2: I think that I commend – uh, Kevin Kruger for not downplaying it and not sugarcoating it and not saying it's it was nothing and uh, basically just acknowledging that it took place first and foremost. I mean he's he's talking about it, so you know it'd be one thing if he was trying to r- brush it under the rug and 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 not, but he's embracing it. And if the, I think I think we have to gauge what took place tonight and then and this week and how they respond to that. So what he's saying I believe can be true. It's a matter of how they use that and fuel it. I don't I, I'm not going to call it I'm not going to say that it's bad and it's negative just yet because we don't know. Because that just happened. So we have to see how if, if he's right. If he's right and it triggers a, a positive reaction and all of a sudden they come out fired up and it, it's it's gotten everything. You know, it's kind of like, okay, it's kind of like having a players-only meeting, right? Okay, right. we all hash it out. We threw everything out in the middle of the room. Let's get it all out of the chest. Let's get it done. Let's get right, the frustrations Ari,
0: our, out.
1: Our, our, Ari's been through this before. Ari's had to tell, uh, especially Adam Hill, you know what? Shut the hell up. Yeah. He's exploded on us a couple of times. we had to have a... You know the players-only meeting. It worked moving forward, right? Right, Ari? Yeah. I'm trying to get more mean, <laughs> Willie. You're gonna you're gonna be my uh, my experiment. I I will <laughs> tell you. I witnessed it. I didn't think it was that big a deal. Um, I think these things happen, but I also like I I don't have an issue with people getting you know really loud or irked because. I'm around people or I may be that person every once in a while who gets that way. So it doesn't bother me, but not, not everyone is around that environment. I mean, a lot of this comes down to, um, you know, the kind of friends you grew up with, how you competed, yeah. your family, right? Willie, there are people who see families that are yelling and screaming sometimes at each other and they're like, Oh my God, I've never seen anything like this, this is the worst thing ever. And for them, it's not really, you know, for the people who were involved in that, it's not really a big deal. I will tell you that, Um, early in the football season, um, and for the most part, the the sideline for UNLV football games was fine. I did witness one blow-up, and I was like, oh, okay. Um, And I can tell you from there, I never saw any issue again, and it was just an isolated incident where guys, hey, they were heated. Things weren't going well. um, You know, it got to a point where it was like, okay, you know, this this could be bad, but I assume they talked it out afterwards, and it went smooth from there. So these things happen in the heat of competition, right after games, right after you lose. I don't know about you, Willie. I don't know if you're a good loser, uh, but I'm a sore I, loser. I'm I'm one of the worst, and I like I don't compete that much anymore. But if I, you know, if I still did, um, yeah, I'm not I'm not good in those situations. So,
2: no, I'm I'm horrible, and Jordan's even worse. Like when it comes to bodybuilding competitions or just in general business, right? Gyms versus gyms, whatever it may be. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's all in it's all a mentality, and and there's nothing wrong with. You know, if you channel that in the right way, if you channel your, you know, your soreness, if you will, in the proper direction, you use it for motivation. You use it for fuel. I agree with Kevin when he said, if they weren't like this, we'd have a problem. If it's not making you upset the way that they play, right. the way that they perform. When you have a team that can't get high percentage shots, when you have a team, I'm looking here, just it, forget field goal percentage, just inside the arc. They've got one, two, three guys that have played eight or nine guys' uh, games, either eight or nine games, Jordan McCabe, eight, Josh Baker, nine, David Mwaka, uh, that are shooting 50% or better inside the arc. The rest are below. I mean, you know, red flags inside that locker room are not a bad thing, and to throw everything out there and, and get it all out, hey, it's better than harboring it, and then letting it affect you on the floor in the next game, and then the next game, and then the next game. We just have to now see if what Kevin Kruger said comes to fruition and see how they play tonight. You'll be there.
0: Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas.